J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is John Chafee. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. And I am still Jonathan Hobbs because this is actually, well, because I'm, I'm Jonathan Hobbs, you actually. Are. And this is still the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. It is. But this is the second part of the Mike King interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually where we're going to dive in here. This is the deep end. This is actually the, the meat of the interviewer. I think it's a lot of really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I mean, we're going to pretty much throw quickly, but just real fast, since we're going into the meat, none of us are vegetarians. Nope. And, my, and our apologies to the people that are. Honestly, I have nothing against you. I really don't. But, but don't, since but none of us do you are... Live? I, you know, but you know what, though? Like, I, That's like saying someone says like they gave up carbs, and I'm like, God bless no, you. How? Um, I, I, I agree. I would have a hard I actually time. think I could go vegetarian before I can go totally carbless. I agree. Uh, yeah, so oh, yeah. That, that's, that's me. But okay. anyway... Favorite meat. So, like, I've been to like one of those Brazilian that I, that steak we've ever had. that you've ever had. If mm. there's like, so like, favorite meat. I've been to one of those Brazilian steakhouses where they just like. I feel like they're trying to kill me because they're exactly. just bringing so much meat. Um, I, I, like, I, like, yeah. If you mm-hmm. were there, what's the meat you're like? I want that. Bison. Bison. I've what? had bison. I, that is good. Bison you, is that real is good. so good. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, I mean, I've been to a Brazilian steakhouse. Oh. Everything they brought out was, Everything was gold, great. except there was this one time they brought out like chicken. I'm like, really? No, <laughs> move along. So anything at a Brazilian steakhouse That's is like the new legendary. guy. That's the new guy. It's like, here you go. Uh, you get to oh, serve chicken. Dang chicken. it. Dang it. Nobody's going to like me. You're right. Move along, Skippy. But so everything was Everything at a Brazilian steakhouse that, anywhere. So I, um... I thought I thought I was full at one of those. Yeah. And then they brought out something they called Parmesan pork. Whoa. And I was like, I don't know. I'll have and then I had it and it was like like my, my pupils just dilated. I was like, mm. oh, and I couldn't find the guy again. Oh my I was word. like, you go find that guy with Parmesan pork and get him back here. And Bring him back. Oh my goodness, it was so good. Anyway, all right, that's the meat. Here's the meat. I hope you have your moleskins, people. I hope you got your your notebooks. For those of you that have absolutely no idea what a moleskin is, <laughs> there's some people that are like hunters are like, I actually have moleskin here. Yeah. I don't really know how legitimate that's legitimate. Uh-huh. Like I, right. I, I nobody do that. hunts moles. I hope not. That's so. Cool if they yeah, did, yeah. Hey, Rocket, tweet at us if you do. But anyway, <laughs> our thing is, uh, we want you to take notes on this one because it's noteworthy. So, ladies and gentlemen, part two of Mike King. Um, you, uh, you have a few books out, but there's one that, uh, tends to be the, the, the biggest hit on Google, uh, and whatnot. And the one that's, that's the, the best known called the, the presence centered youth ministry, uh, put out by InterVarsity press, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the thing is, it, it's not a new release. In fact, it's almost 15 years old. If I don't yeah. know right. Uh, I think it came out in 2006, so 11 years old. Yeah, no, I, it was a fun project and IVP is so great to work with because they push, pushed and pushed and asked questions and made it, and made it better. And, uh, I, I feel like, um, uh, I think I've told you this before, but I wrote a book, uh, at the turn of the century, um, I turned it this last century, not the one before, um, that millennial leap. And, um, man, I felt like within 18 months, that book was obsolete and I was trying to hide it and and store it away. I think there's still boxes that I try to keep it from getting out. Some people really liked it, but I I became 
uncomfortable with it. And, um, and this book is not, not that way. I, I still feel like it's very, very uh, relevant, new, and fresh. And I think that's why it's being used to train a lot of youth workers in colleges and universities and seminaries. And has given it the, the long shelf life, which is kind of IVP strategy. They want to do books that have shelf life. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, there are a few things that if I did a rewrite, which I may do at some point, I would just add another level of dimension. Um, you know, the critique that I did of evangelicalism, I think is still very appropriate for where evangelicalism is today. Um, and so I don't think I would touch a lot of stuff there because the stuff I would probably touch would be such a, you know, a hot button that it would, it would take away the focus from the real focus of the book is, you know, what does it look like to do Christian formation today um, in, with, with young people? And what does it look for, like for us to be followers of Jesus that sit at the feet of Jesus as learners and minister out of the fullness of our life with God? And so I cover a lot of, you know, recovering these Christian practices that are um, part of their heirlooms of, mm. of generations and generations of Christians trying to figure out when Paul said, pray without ceasing, pray always, pray continually. However you translate that verse, it says the same thing, pray all the time. Okay, well, how do we do that, Paul? And then he doesn't really tell us. And so that has left it to the imagination of our four mothers and fathers to figure that out. And uh, beautiful practices that are engaged the senses and the body and the mind and the imagination, which are all good things, which is are perfect for youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so this has been, uh, been good. If I, if I would change one thing, I would change um, and put another chapter in it. Uh, because when that book was coming out, there's a lot of people talking about spiritual formation and, and a lot of it felt like, to me, uh, like become obsessed with your inner self, you know, and self-actualize. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wish I would have had um, a further chapter on why do we want to engage in Christian formation? For what? And, I, and that I would have answered that for what? And for me, the for what is um, to participate with in the life of God and God's mission in the world. And uh, I, I just wish that I would have, you know, expounded on that a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah. So I'm really happy with it. I just uh, was at the conference in um, the Prentice Institute conference in uh, Friends University and uh, in Wichita. And um, the uh, Jeff Crosby, who's the president of IVP, saw me there and he uh, came up to me. He said, when are you going to write that next book for us for the broader church? And I'm like, uh, when my when President Center quits selling, I'll think about writing the next book. So that puts him kind of in a dilemma because he had had the book there at the bookstore. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point I would like to write a, a something on uh, curating environments of transformation, uh, really focusing on a theology of place. This is a big passion for me. Uh, a rootedness, a theology of place, being in one place for a long period of time. And um, I think that's it's something that's really mess- missing in our mobile culture in which we live in today. And uh, some kids having two or three or four youth workers, uh, youth pastors during their high school years, um, I, th- I think is a problem. And um, so some someday I would like to 
engage in that because there's pretty much an idea, and I've had you know some fun pushback by postmoderns like, hey, we can move wherever we want to, anytime we want to, and uh, I just think we're losing our ontological mooring of what it means to be a human, which is you know is something that's narrated by place and relationships, and if we're constantly moving around. There's something going on there that I don't think is really good uh, that people can just pick up and move to another church if they get offended by something or somebody does them wrong. Or actually, after three years, if everybody gets to know who you really are and you can't fool everybody anymore, it's time to move on. I think that is so detrimental to, to our Christian formation. The church is a community of people doing life together over a long, long period of time. So... So this is uh, something I, I'm passionate about, but we've been able to do that here in Kansas City, which is uh, one of the reasons I, I've, I've, I've been very fulfilled. That's in- incredible. So uh, a question I want to ask you that as you were talking, this just kept kind of like three or four times, actually, as, as we're talking, this sort of occurred to me. And so I'm not going to have, this isn't going to be poetry the way I'm going to ask this, because this is just something I'm... Many people that are just super big on theology... And the way they talk about it, uh, or more importantly, the way they talk about the people that aren't super into theology, a lot of times comes across as just really pretentious. Uh, in other words, it ends up, I, I, listen, you might be right, but I think you're a jerk and I have no desire to be like you, so I don't really care what you're saying. However, I have never experienced that with you whatsoever. Uh, and so, like, is there a, a, what's the trap that's there or what's the balance that you found? Because I, I feel like you found it. Well, I don't know. I hope so. Um, I often think about um, how I treat the other who has a different political view than I have or mm. has a different doctrinal view than I have. Um, it's very easy for me to sometimes move the other direction so I don't have to encounter that. And how to be gracious um, when we can truly disagree but still be gracious with each other I think is really, really important, which is something that if you're, if you're rooted in a place, you have to figure that stuff out, uh, which is, I think, another aspect of a, a theology of place with people, uh, figuring that out. But But to me, it's... It's, uh, you know, focus on practical theology, which is can't can't be disconnected from ministry. And so God is a minister and we get to participate with God in that ministry. And who are we to say that because this group has a different kind of theological view about this or that, that God doesn't realize that we're all so broken and we see dimly and that God blesses what they're doing as much as he blesses what this group is doing and they don't even like each other. And you look back and say, oh man, it's going to, it's going to be so embarrassing when, when we shall fully know how goofy we really are. So it's, it's an epistemological humility that I think we should have. Um, and, uh, and I think that, that we become balanced when we are, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus and really trying to nurture our life with God, there's this compassion that happens um, towards other people um, that doesn't allow you to, to write people off and just um, be angry all the time and be argumentative, um, which doesn't mean you can't firm convictions. But I, I, but I think it's a piece of theology connected to, to ministry, a practical theology mm-hmm. that is, is, is born out of the uh, 
action that where we're we're looking for how human action intersects with divine action and we just want to be in that place and um so I think that's, um, and obviously uh, Andy Root has influenced me deeply in his relational youth ministry. Um, and the fact now that he's more open to and engaging in the importance of the, you know, the Christian practices. So, yeah. you know, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he used to be kind of, yeah, I don't know about all that Christian practice stuff <laughs> you're doing, but, uh, but I think, you know. Well, that he was young then. He was so young. He, he's come so... We've been praying for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, he's just spitting out one book about every 10 months. and uh, It's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, oh, my heavens. Well, hey, um, I have two more things for you, and we're going to make them uh, quicker on the end, actually, because we got to bring this in for a landing. But uh, you are one of the advisors for the, the Museum of the Bible. Uh, yeah, yeah, which seems really, really interesting, right? Um, yeah. When I first heard about it and was asked to participate, I was, there's no way. You know, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. All I could think of was Ken Ham Creation Museum, and um, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. But, but... My friend said, dude, just look, look at the scholars connected to this, you know, and all of a sudden I'm seeing these world-class scholars that I admire are engaged in this project. And since then, I've been able to, to work with many of them. And uh, it's, it's just been interesting. My, my focus has been to stay vocationally focused while I'm working with them, um, uh, kind of representing the youth ministry world. Um, there's so much that we can do with the resources that they have um, to engage young people in understanding the impact of the Bible, the history of the Bible, the interpretation of the Bible, and, and just I think there's something that happens when kids see how this book has been impacted community and communities impacted this book over 2000 years um, and begin to maybe even begin to read it differently than we have at times. Um, but, but one of the big um, passions of mine specifically is, is it relates to a special project related to science in the Bible. And so um, I got a Templeton grant that uh, provided a planning uh, opportunity to plan a traveling exhibit. And uh, so I've been able to travel to Oxford and to, you know, to uh, Rome and Vienna and see some of the great artifacts in the world and talk to some of the greatest scientists and uh, theologians, um, Alistair McGrath, Stan Rosenberg, uh, the scholarship in Christianity in Oxford. Um, and uh, with theologians over here, with people like Jennifer Wiseman, who heads up the Hubble Space um, um, Telescope Program, lead scientist there. And uh, it's just been fantastic because um, my, my thinking was that, of course, Barna, Kinnaman, and others, many other research institutes have told us that this is one of the big obstacles for young people's engagement with the church um, because the church has had a warfare metaphor that they've used as it relates to science and faith. Mm. And that's totally unnecessary. Yes, there's got going to be tension between science and, and the Bible because, and faith, because they're, they're really asking two different kinds of questions. But most of that conflict is between scientism and, um, you know, which is socially constructed um, and is very anti-Bible often. Um, and, and it's not true science. So there's a difference between science and scientism. As there is a different, you know, in the same way on the other side, there are a lot of Christians who are driven by ideology and not driven by historic Christian 
you know, principles and truths and doctrine. And so we're trying to like re-narrate that. And, um, and, and we do stuff like show how, uh, you know, there are a lot of myths around the scientific revolution and the church, uh, but the church actually funded much of the scientific revolution. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we, uh, it's just been fascinating. And, uh, so now we're working on a, a, a big project, um, that will um, be rolling out here in the next year and a half. So I'm really excited about about that and uh, d- developing some youth initiatives around um, around the uh, artifacts and the, the manuscripts and the museum. That's so that's incredible. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that, and I completely agree with you and I had a very similar uh, initial reaction when we heard about the Bible Museum. Uh, the difference is they didn't ask for 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 my help, um, but but they uh, but I was kind of like, oh gosh, please don't mess this up. I know, I know, I know, right? And I am so excited by the people that I trust being excited. Uh, yeah. So I, I really am. I'm very hopeful now, which yeah. that is a complete 180 from where I right, was. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last thing might be our most important question, uh, and I came up with it uh, after the uh, original idea was scrapped, but um, you, you are a man that sports the bald head, and, and you sport <laughs> it well. You sport it very, well, very you, well. Thank you, thank you. But I well, would like to know, in your opinion... Um, who is the best-looking man, not including yourself, that sports a bald head? Wow. Okay, or wow. one of the best. Maybe top three is fine. Well, Maybe come on. Vin, Vin Diesel's right up there. Vin and, Diesel. Uh, Diesel. Solid. Solid. Yeah. Um, you know, Tick Long. Tick Long. He's rocking it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we Tick Long and I love to put our heads together and then and put our heads down towards somebody and, and moon them, <laughs> you know. Two butt cheek, bald heads put together. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Tim, t- uh, Tick Long's a... You know, a handsome dude. Well, actually, that is a wonderful place, I think, to end. People, you need to check out um, www.youthfront.com. Um, and uh, is there other websites, I mean, obviously, the, the Museum of the Bible, they can Google that, check that out. Other things that they should do? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on um, uh, Twitter, MD King is my Twitter Twitter address. So... Dude, it's great talking to you. Absolutely wonderful talking to you. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again. Uh, we met years ago at a theology conference in London, and uh, I, I I only mentioned that to make myself look smart, like that I was there, because people assume that you must know what they were talking about, which half the time it was so over my head, but I'm doing it again. I, 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 I resonate with that. I, I find and, myself in places where I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't want my cover to be blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just nod, just nod. Yes, right. Look it up mm-hmm. later. L- write the word down and look it up later. Yes. But um, thank you so much for chatting with me. I hope to see you again soon. Uh, and uh, thanks for, so much for being on the podcast. All right. Have a good one. All right. We are back. And uh, I really hope you took notes. There's so much good stuff here. Um, I'm actually mildly overwhelmed, so I'm going to throw okay. to John Chafee. Uh, yeah, because okay. I, I really do. I almost have like I almost had a theological crush on this guy. Like it was just, oh, yeah. uh, like I was just like, yeah, just keep talking. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> Hence the fact that there's two episodes. <laughs> just keep <laughs> right. talking. Whoops! Something no one's ever said to me, John Hobbs. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. <laughs> uh, so, what was something I took from this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, it sounds like we could go for a while on this topic of scientism, Mm. which seems to be if you're going to be doing youth ministry, you have to engage the sciences more and more because we're kind of getting to, I mean, we're already there at what people feel like is very uh, conflict-oriented relationship between science and faith. Mm-hmm. But he brings in this term scientism, which maybe people haven't gotten that much exposure to. So, Johnny, what would you say is scientism? Um, to be honest, I would love someone else to oh, comment, really? <laughs> just because I don't want to misrepresent so, it. You know, so, I'll, I'll, I'll t- so go ahead. The, the hard thing about talking about this is that you are talking about brilliant people most of the time. Right. You know, so right. like so like Neil deGrasse Tyson is a absolute genius. Okay, the guy is so smart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, astrophysicist, he's the head of the pl- uh, planetary studies at New York. I forget what it, I mean like he's sure. on he's on a lot of the late night talk shows. He's friends with Stephen Colbert. Um, he's brilliant. He is devoutly atheist. Yeah. Okay, and and in fact, um, so I remember one time he said, "You know, the nice thing about science is that whether you believe it or not, it's true." And I was like, no, okay, it's truth, no matter whether you like it or not, is true. That's the nice thing about truth. And science is the study to find the way that the world works. But guess what? Science has gotten it wrong, and a scientist admits that. Admits it when they've gotten it wrong. And by the way, hopefully good Christians also admit when Christians get it wrong. Christians is the study of Christianity and theology. It's the study of trying to be more like Christ. It's not Christ. Mm. And I think that that's a really important thing mm-hmm. is that we're, we're running after Christ. And so for, for people to think that even Christians are the perfect example of Christ is also, I think, idolatry, actually, it's a, uh, and, and, and wrong. So in the same way with scientism, that science is the answer to everything. And then, and then it's, scientism to me is more anti-things. Uh, it talks well, about scientism. why it's religion. Yeah. yeah, and I would also maybe say scientism, and then it's called fideism, which is on the other side, is when you have an unwavering certainty, yes. whereas the I scientific method kind of encourages as soon as new information comes along and you have to redact or edit your previous stance, yeah. you have to submit to the new evidence. Yeah, yeah, right? sure. And, and there's this element of... Uh, I don't know if it's just pride. We just don't like being proven wrong. And so I think actually good faith and good science hopefully has gotten the same methodology that they're yeah. willing to. It's kind of the reformation. Like you should always be reforming. You should always be like asking yourself, am I looking at this the appropriate yeah. and best way mm-hmm. possible? Yeah. So, like like uh, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's to me the spokesperson of scientism. At least right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so like his one of his big things is and I'm going to get the numbers wrong. Please don't tweet at us about how I got this wrong. But it's something along the lines of one of his favorite quotes is, there was an article that said that 85% of the top scientists in their field um, are, you know, don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. And, and like he kind of made fun of the article. He was saying, no, the real story there is that 15% of top scientists do believe in God. <laughs> giggle, giggle. And um, I'm... <laughs> And, and but that's like his favorite, and he means it. He thinks that's insane that they do. Mm-hmm. Okay, in our church, we have I'm trying to think astrophysicist. Um, we have people that are involved with what's called the Templeton Foundation, which is huge in mm-hmm. this uh, thing. Andy, uh, Andy, um, 
uh, uh, Root, Andy, I almost said Andy Crouch, but Andy Root uh-huh. um, just put out a book called Exploding Stars, Dead Dinosaurs, Zombies. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. And it's about this sort of thing, about science and Christianity lives together just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, my brother-in-law, a guy named uh, Jonathan Hargis, who actually listens to this podcast pretty pretty regularly. I'm pretty hey, excited. Thanks, uh, hey, Jonathan Hargis, we love you. He is an astrophysicist, and he, if I understand his job right, and with, when it comes to real science, mm-hmm. the answer is, no, I don't. No, I don't understand what you do. Uh, uh-huh. But... Um, he he like does stuff with the Hubble telescope. Well, that's cool. Which is amazing. And what I learned is that most of what you get from the Hubble telescope is just data. <laughs> and so he helps like mm-hmm. uh, put it. Uh, anyway, he, he's kind of on the front lines of that, which is really cool. But and people should look him up. But he is a passionate follower of Christ. Mm. So guess what? You can actually go all the way to your PhD in astrophysicists and still be a passionate follower of Christ. Right. You can do it, people. It's possible. Please stop telling yeah. us that it's not. And the other side of that, too, is I've heard stories of how there are scientists who are coming to Christ because of what they've seen in science. Uh, there you go. Like, there are scientists who are seeing all of the complexities of nature, and they're saying, this has to be backed up by a creator. That's really cool. Uh, so I'm a huge advocate of intelligent design. Uh, are, are you? Okay. I am. You know, I, I think it's kind it, of important. It is interesting. Like, I, yeah. I don't think even my brother-in-law would say that, that he is. Really? Which is uh, like, like the ex- so this is a different thing here. Yeah. There's the school of thought of intelligent design. Mm-hmm. And then there's the idea of that we have been intelligently designed, which is actually two different. There's weight on the one side that maybe it's like saying I'm an evangelical. Right. It's like, ah. So yeah. anyway, but, but like, so you believe that we've been intelligently designed. Yeah. So the way I describe it to people, of mm-hmm. course, I'm following Jesus, but if. And there's n- this uh, is yeah, a hypo- yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a hypothetical scenario, obviously, uh-huh. and can't be done. But if someone were to, if there was some way to like definitively be like, listen, Christianity is a hoax; uh-huh. it's not true. I would wake up the next morning and look for what is, because I'm just so convinced that everything we see, there's no way you can look at it and not conclude that there's a creator there's outside there. of this. Oh, okay. And mm. that's good. That's good. Making it. I mean, I'd believe in aliens before I'd believe in atheism. Interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. And that's a fact. There's plenty <laughs> of atheism. You <laughs> can be both. Up. You can be no, both. but that's it's just fine. that's just how I process it. There's a no judgment. Well, zone. and one thing both. that I appreciated about him is that he seems to be trying to do. You're saying Mike King? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's trying to. Uh, be incredibly thoughtful about how he talks about all of these things. So as a person doing ministry, he's seemingly very well conversant in science. He's very well conversant in how do you do faith formation with teens? How do you engage with other people theologically without sounding like a jerk? So there's a lot of things that are really, I don't know, he's a remarkable person, a good model to follow. That phrase actually stood out to me, how to be theological and not be a jerk. Because... Mm. I hope that we are able to aspire to theological greatness and to really be well-versed in the scriptures, Mm -hmm. but to not walk around like pretentious jerks who are just like, oh, I have the answers, and your theology does not compute. And so we've all seen examples of where people who keep growing in the knowledge of God also grow in the jerk factor with people. Is it it 1 Corinthians... Eight. I'm going off the off oh. on my memory right oh. now. That is like, in the Bible. I just <laughs> I just want it to be known. Here's proof that we don't edit this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we were editing it, yeah, it would be uh, love 
no wait, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but one thing we've seen in youth culture is that I think there are people who have been burnt by the theological astuteness mm. and have gone the other way, have been like, well, I'm not about learning the Bible. I'm about living the Bible. And it sounds so noble. So they just, you know, they're like, I'm about people. I'm not about books. And they right. just kind of are like, well, we're not going to go deep into stuff. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's not a virtue. That's not, that's not a virtue. I was, we're idiots. Yeah. yeah. For Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I was once Who's in, with uh, me? All I need is the gospel. Jesus died and rose so again. That's it. Let me well. let me put a, a short story out there. Just brief. Go, go for it. Uh, so I was at a conference a couple of years ago, and I was walking out with another youth pastor, and he said to me, "That was terrible." And I was like, "Really? I really loved that last talk." He's uh-huh. like, and he said verbatim, "I have a allergic reaction to theology." And he kind of scoffed it off. And I think then you've even brought this up before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I? I thought yeah, maybe. And yeah. I just remember thinking like wow, I think you're in the wrong profession Mm. because you're in this not for like the development or the, gosh, the teaching of the next generation of the faith, but like you're actually just in this because you're a good event planner, right? Mm. which has its place. I'm not saying it doesn't. That helps to create community and community can lead towards vulnerability and trust between people. That's fine. But like Mm -hmm. you can't talk about Jesus in a way that's not theological. Mm. Because yeah. it is God. Right, right, <laughs> like, yeah. At the bare minimum, as soon as you mention the word God, you're already starting to become theological. Right. And it was, it's always been my understanding that the better you get at doing theology, the better you can articulate the nuances of the gospels of the gospel that will resonate with different people. It's akin to me of saying, you know, I just hate science. I'm like, well, then don't look up. Don't look up. There's stars. <laughs> right, right. Don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. Wait, don't look down. Don't, don't look, look down. down. Don't use your yeah. phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's an idiotic statement to make. I mean, I mean, hey, if you're listening, and I hope you are, the guy that made that statement, we, we love you. But we want you to know that it was kind of a dumb statement to make. Well, I think what they're trying to say is I'm repulsed by this hyper, like, this this the the jerk factor i know really. it all that i exactly know maybe, maybe he experienced that speaker as a jerk well mm-hmm. but possible. even just mm-hmm. the the pursuit of theological skill and the okay. you know there are people who are so engrossed in theology to the point where they just destroy relationships with it uh, that person's probably operating with that kind of cynicism which is yeah. a shame don't go to the extreme and throw the baby out with the bathwater mm-hmm. but on the other hand you know with just show students that you can fall in love with the Bible and the depths of it yeah, yeah. and love people well. We got to harmonize that. Yeah. I think, I think giving students aha moments, that's not just about how to live life better, but like how to understand scripture more. I'll never forget. As I said, Andy Crouch, I, I mm-hmm. mentioned that name. He's an amazing speaker. You should read all of his books. Hopefully we'll get him on the podcast. He led a, a retreat for us one time and he did a theological aha moment that was just mm-hmm. brilliant uh, for our for our group, and it was such a neat thing to see. This was not a oh, and that's why you should be nice to your parents, or you know, like oh, yeah. which is mm-hmm. I, I can do that. I can get people there, have this aha moment about. But when he was taking apart the, this scripture and, and really diving deep in it, and all the like, like you just you know, you know like you just hear that whoa mm. moment. 
Uh, and that was like some of our oh. students' first real deep dive into thinking, God is so much bigger than I right. realized. Uh, and that, that's such a beautiful moment to, to, to take them there, or, or, or at least to, I didn't take them there, but to watch them be taken there. Yeah. Uh, it's a really cool thing, actually. I have this, uh, it was a, it was one of the a good moments that I had on a retreat. All of my high schoolers were sitting around a table and then this was like their first instance of like getting to know me at this new gig. They're mm-hmm. like, we're not sure if we like this new guy, John. And mm-hmm. so I sat down with we're them. We're not sure either. And of course, <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, some of them were talking about Twilight, and I said, like, "All right, you have thirty seconds. Convince me of Twilight being a good <laughs> series." That's amazing. You gave right? them thirty seconds. I was like, "No, listen, I'll I'll right. give you full attention," right. and that was the <laughs> the easy way in, in some sense. So then we started shooting the breeze, and then for some reason we started talking about God, and they're like, "John, tell us something interesting about God." I'm like, "Oh." Okay, well, right now I'm starting, I'm reading a book about how Trinitarian theology overthrows Aristotelian categories of God. And they're like, what? Wow. Now, then I one understood of them, I book. said, I understood book. You understood yeah. word book? Yeah. But I said, uh, if you think that God looks like Zeus sitting on top of Mount Olympus, I have good news for you. You're wrong. <laughs> and then led into a conversation about the Trinity and the word perichoresis, like it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit constantly dancing around one another. Like, this is movement. This mm-hmm. is, like, dynamism. This is not a God sitting on a throne far off. Like, actually, this is God deeply present in everything here. Flowers unfolding, human beings, like, blossoming into, like, thriving and flourishing human beings. Mm. Like, And it was really fun because, for me, um, I abandoned all the, the high-level postgraduate terminology right. and was able to do theology in their vernacular. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating because somebody took a picture that weekend. I didn't know that that picture was being taken, but it was myself and some of the other leaders with all of the youth and even youth from other churches started coming around, listening in. They're like, what are you guys talking about? And we're like, we're actually having a riveting conversation about the Trinity, and there's like 30 of us. Mm. <laughs> a riveting conversation about the Trinity. Yeah. I but thought you were going to say someone took a picture and the Shekinah glory showed up. I was no. about to say, there was no. like You this can see the glow. Not that I know of. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but it's true. The Trinity. But if you were to ask me, <laughs> I think that is one of the best gifts or... It's just an enormous privilege of which I'm incredibly grateful that I have the opportunity to be paid to have those conversations yeah. with them. Because for me, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and soul, let's put that back in there too. Hmm. Um, it's about incorporating the whole person. And if our youth ministry and our approach to engaging the person doesn't involve the whole teenager mm-hmm. in every part of their being, we have to reevaluate and do a little better. That's good. That's good. Um, I want to ask... Are there other things in the... Uh, uh, what, what else is on our list of things we definitely want to oh, mention? Sure. Because we really <laughs> just went a long time. And I don't want to... Uh, uh, we're probably going to go long on this one. So that's not surprising to me. But go go ahead if you had some. Yeah, for me, I mean, we basically covered it. Uh, the bottom line that I have out of this is to seek higher learning, seek high theology, but really yeah. break it down and 
take it to the streets. Yeah, I had yeah. to say that. To find but, yeah. the balance. Yeah, because you're so street. I am uh, street. Johnny Radcliffe, you're, I am you're so street. Hashtag thug life. <laughs> yeah. Thug life. Theological thug life. Theological um, uh, thug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another good T-shirt. We that's should a, just start making. We really t-shirts. should just have a T-shirt company. Um, I think no. The, to be honest, the very last thing I have in my notes from this interview was, who else is a really cool bald man that we know? Oh gosh, there's something about being awesome and being bald that's connected. Which I felt the exact opposite when I was a ninth grader. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, oh, my driver's ed teacher, you're awful. You know, or you know, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you know, I, I never would have thought I really want to be bald when I grow up. But yeah, you know, I don't know what I was talking about there. Um, speaking of not knowing what I'm doing, that's probably a good sign that we should probably let this go. I really do hope that everyone has um, benefited from this. There, there, there's way more in this interview than we were able to cover and that we don't want to take up that much more of your time. I do want us to say, uh, we haven't said it for a few episodes, so please check out our website. That's j3youthministry.com. Dot com, yep. uh, it is dot com. You can email us at j3youthmin at gmail.com. And also you can Twitter at, no, tw- I type, nope. uh, I'm nope. so uncool. Nope. It's cool. Do you kids go on the Snapchat? Um, <laughs> the Snapchatters. Um, I uh, we are, we are also on the Twitter uh, at uh, J Three Youth Men. Mm-hmm. So at J Three Youth Men, we hope that uh, yeah, we would love to chat with you. And all th- all three of us are actually have our own separate Twitter accounts, sure. and Facebook accounts. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to talk with you more about this kind of stuff because, and especially if this if this is something that's really getting uh, like your your your, your uh, neurons firing. I know Mr. John Chafee, that John Chafee <laughs> that would John absolutely Chafee. Uh, love to to go back and forth with you. But until then, I will just say my name is Jonathan Hobbs. And I'm still John Chafee. And I'm Johnny Radcliffe. Peace. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast.